Blog Talk Radio. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hi, Kelly. Hello, Kelly.
Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hi, this is Justine. I'm going to go ahead and start the show, all right? Okay, I'm, I'm so going to go ahead and mute you. No problem. Okay. Now, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to unmute you when I'm ready to um, after I introduce you, all right? Okay, thank you. Okay, great. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Intersection Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. Me and our guests discuss relationships and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. This is Josephina, your host. I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Match, the only elite national personalized matchmaking company focused on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the U.S. I'm very excited to welcome Kelly Stallings to our show tonight. Kelly is a licensed professional counselor with a master's degree in counseling psychology. Kelly has more than 12 years of experience working with people in group settings to create significant changes in their life, including increased overall physical health. Tonight we will be discussing Kelly's book, Life is Mental, Think Thin to Live Thin. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. As Intersection's mission is holistic and includes personal empowerment and wellness coaching in consultation with a registered dietitian, I'm fascinated by insights regarding proactively working towards health and wellness goals. Kelly, before exploring the insights shared in your book, why don't you share with our listeners what prompted you to write this book in the first place? You know, I noticed that this was the missing piece kind of um, in the marketplace for health and wellness and weight loss. Um, Everyone commonly refers to the mental component of weight loss, but there was no uh, easy-to-follow solution out there. And as a cognitive behavioral therapist, I had been teaching my formula to private clients for years. So I realized that I could positively impact a lot of people by Uh, publishing a book and just including the formula that I use with private clients so that everyone would have access to that and be able to integrate that into their existing weight management programs. Wonderful. How interesting. Now, in your book, you write, quote, changing your thinking and beliefs about your self-image and weight loss will create a strong, positive foundation for you as you work towards your weight goals. This foundation will assist you in facing challenges and succeeding. Kelly, can you explain what you mean by this to our listeners? You know, at the core of our belief system, that's kind of like our autopilot. So think about those quick snap decisions that we make during daily life, whether it's to make the exercise class, step into the gym before or after work, or maybe we choose to skip it. All of those little decisions really reflect back to who we believe we are, our self-image, our belief about ourselves. And so if we don't have a really high self-esteem and belief about ourselves, we might not really treat ourselves the way that we should. And so if we make that change at that foundational level, if we really focus on improving our self-esteem, improving our self-image, then we're going to take 
better care of ourselves and treat ourselves as the precious beings that we are naturally, without effort. Excellent. Now, in your book, you explain that thinking yourself then starts with identifying the reasons to lose weight. Tell us about that. If we're not clear on why we're losing weight, we're not going to stick to it, especially if the situation is one where um, the person has maybe had extra, carried extra weight for many years or, or um, maybe a, a full life history of that. To really make a significant change in our thinking and in our lifestyle, we have to really be motivated, and that motivation comes from our reasons why, essentially. And so listing those out for some people, you know, it might be a crucial health concern, you know, and recognizing that losing weight will increase their, um, their health and wellness and decrease the negative effects on their health, maybe decrease some medical symptoms that they've been experiencing. You know, um, maybe it's for a certain event coming up and they want to look a certain way in their clothes. So it really doesn't matter what the reason is as long as we're clear on what the reason is as we get started with some sort of formal weight loss plan because that's what we're going to lean on for the motivation to keep going through those challenges. Uh, So during the rough spots, those reasons are really what's going to anchor your efforts in that sense. And Exactly. um, Exactly. And in the, I'm sorry, I was just going to elaborate a minute and, and share that the, those reasons, I actually teach you how to use those reasons as a motivator and as a tool so that when you hit those little challenges and those little rough patches where you might get off track for a short period of time, those reasons can actually help you get back on track quickly. Ah, okay. So these reasons are a really important starting point. Okay. Now, in our wellness coach, we ask our clients to maintain a daily food and activity log. And I noticed that your book likewise guides uh, readers to complete what you call a daily food journal. Now, given your extensive counseling experience, just share with our listeners the reasoning behind this. There, it is significantly important to track your food. And like you mentioned, I have a daily food journal. It's pretty well-rounded, so we're tracking a few more things than just simply food. But at the core of it, it's food. The reason for that is that it's our human nature, every human, it's our human nature to um, really not exactly remember everything that we've taken in for the day. It's, It's easy for us to minimize things and not remember the exact amount and minimize what we took in. And that doesn't really give us an accurate reflection of our daily food intake. And so if you're really wanting to change your lifestyle and you're modifying your your food intake so that you can have a more balanced meal or maybe a a lower calorie count on a regular basis, you have to track it. And so to recognize where you're starting, that helps you modify it so that you can get to where you want to be. And and if we don't track it, you're just naturally going to minimize it and think that you've taken in fewer calories than you really have. Uh, okay. Um, and do you also find that sometimes in terms of, it, um, sometimes by even having that record, it helps people to kind of identify certain patterns in terms of when, you know, what might be their pitfalls and what um, maybe certain times of the day or certain moods or certain, um, okay. 
And that's, okay. that's how I ask people to use the food journal. So I have kind of a few extra boxes on my food journal because I want people to start recognizing the fact that we all have patterns. And once we recognize that we have patterns, it makes modifying and changing our lifestyle so much easier because now we're aware. We know it's coming. We know if 2 o'clock is our, you know, sweet snack every day, it's a lot easier to, to plan ahead and be proactive so that we do something different at 2 o'clock every day and not fall into that same routine. So it really is about creating awareness. Uh, creating awareness, then you can get to the solution once you have that awareness. Um, so wonderful, that, that food log, okay. Um, and your book has a section entitled Positivity is Thin Thinking. Will you share with our listeners what you mean by that? Positivity is, is kind of that um, mental attitude of optimism. And so if you think about it, the people that tend to have an easier time managing their weight tend to be overall, generally speaking, just a little bit more optimistic. They're the folks that they can get off track and get right back on track with their food plan. You know, they can have um, a weekend where they attend a, a birthday party and a wedding and they've eaten all kinds of cake and food that maybe they don't normally eat, but that doesn't crush them. That doesn't, you know, devastate them. They start Monday as a new week, and they just go right back to their regular eating plan. And so even if they gained a pound or two, they're going to lose it again because they go right back to their old pattern. Without that optimistic attitude, then the person is more likely to start feeling like they've blown their diet, they, they've gained a few pounds over the weekend, and it's just horrible, and so that there's no reason to eat healthy. They you know, might as well just you know, eat whatever they want for the next couple of weeks and months. And so that, you know, weekend experience will turn into weeks or months of an experience for someone who isn't as optimistic. So your, your attitude really helps you be successful quicker. Ah, okay. Um, the mindset. So positive mindset is really an asset in this whole journey that people are taking. And they are really exactly. trying to um, – okay, great. Um now, here's another pitfall, craving. And, you know, given craving can be a stumbling block for many people seeking to, you know, enhance their health and wellness through weight loss. Do you share with us some of your tips? And I know you have some great tips um, in your book. Share with us just a couple of them or, you know, one or two of them um, in terms of dealing with craving. Cravings, again, first of all, you want to be able to identify a craving. And you, you can determine whether or not you're experiencing true hunger or a craving, first of all, by where you're feeling it. If you're feeling, um, if you're feeling hungry in your mouth, in other words, if, you, if you're salivating because you're thinking about a certain food item, that's not true hunger. True hunger occurs below the neck. So it's your stomach, and uh, that's when you start feeling hunger pains in your stomach and your body, that's true hunger. So first of all, you want to recognize, is it a craving or is it true hunger? And then once you recognize, okay, I, I am having these cravings, then you want to look at what you're eating. If you're not getting enough nutrients in your food, if you're not eating enough live foods so that you can feed your body what it really needs, you might need a vitamin supplement because sometimes we crave things, for instance, chocolate, um, because it has some properties in there that are similar to what we need to get in our food, not that we need all the sugar attached to that, but that. Sometimes a craving is really nothing more than your, your body really desiring something it's deficient in. So those are the two first things I always tell people to, to watch. 
Other times people label things as cravings. It could be cue-controlled eating. And what that means is if I go out with my this certain girlfriend to a restaurant and I have the worst food ever and eat too much or drink too much and it's always with this one particular girlfriend and we always we have this habit of the same place that we go and the habit of the same things that we order that I really don't want to be eating or drinking that's cue control that's a habit that I've created with my girlfriend so that's not really a craving but it feels like it because the minute we get together I'm automatically preparing myself for what I know is going to happen next and so if that's the case again you want to be proactive and you want to create a new pattern with your friend and it might be um, you know a certain television show that you like to watch at home it might be a certain family experience that you know maybe when your entire family get together you do the same thing every time and it's not so healthy so it doesn't have to be any one thing just look at look at the patterns in your life and when you recognize that you're you're having this cue controlled eating experience again awareness is key because now you can take control and make some changes and if you can't change your environment then change your reaction so make a different decision if you know that you absolutely have to be in that environment you're going to go to the same restaurant no matter what because it's a group decision and you don't get to decide and you can't sway their their decision then you take control of yourself and your decision making and you make a different decision when you're there if there are no healthy options you might think about eating some healthy snacks before you meet these um, your family or your friends so that that way you're not tempted to eat while you're there you know you can still make healthy decisions even if your environment is not healthy you just have to take control excellent that's such an empowering uh, mindset to have and you know as you just mentioned a number of solutions so that um, excellent um, now your book has uh, has a section entitled reprogram yourself to think thin and um, and you write in that section, and I, I love this. Uh, I love this quote, and I'd love to have you expand on it. Um, so the quote is: Your thoughts drive your behaviors, your reactions to events, your awareness of opportunity, and your decisions. And it sounds like we. This is a great segue from what we were just speaking of, because it sounds like you've already begun to speak of this. But will you share with our listeners, you know, anything more in terms of what you mean by that? Again, the key is awareness and control. Take control of your life. Take control of your decision-making and be aware of what your habits are so that you can create new, healthier habits. That really is is the key. And the Daily Food Journal is what allows you to, to start identifying these habits so that you can start making a change and then also tracking the change in your daily food habit, in your daily food journal so that you can see that things really are changing and you're making some um, new strides. One of the things that I tell people is to give yourself time to truly make a change. The biggest challenge for people making any kind of change in their life is that they are impatient and they don't feel like they get their results as quick as they should. And I like to remind people that it took months and years to become the person that you are today with the thoughts you think, with the beliefs that you have. And so to, to change that, you need to invest the time. And it could be weeks, months, maybe even years. But if you give it that attention and you're truly um, determined to make a change, that within weeks you'll start feeling a difference. And within months you'll start realizing that it's now become part of who you are. And it's only after years that you won't think about it anymore because that truly is how you are. But in the beginning you really have to stick to it. You really have to just keep repeating the behavior that you want to see in your life because repetition is what causes change. 
repetition is what causes change, okay? Um, now, your book has a whole section on practical strategies for challenges. Um, you know, again, can you just share one or two of those, um, of those tips with our listeners? There's a couple of things. People are, uh, tend to be the most interested in my tips for eating out at restaurants um, because okay. we eat out a lot now. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just kind of part of American culture that we don't seem to eat at home as much as we used to years ago. And so with that in mind, what I tell people is if you can, if you're with your family and it's a very comfortable setting, set up a new rule with your family where you share your food. The portion sizes in restaurants now are very, very large, and they're serving us on dishes that used to be considered serving dishes back in the 50s. I mean, our plates are becoming bigger to accommodate these big entree sizes. Well, when everybody at your table has this huge plate of food, you don't really recognize just how big it is. You might think, yeah, that looks like a big portion, but you don't realize just how big it is because everybody at the table has the monster plates. So if what you do as a family is decide that you want healthier portions and you start strategizing how you order so that a couple of entrees might be shared between family members, then you're going to eat healthier. That's naturally going to reduce your portion sizes. You're going to ask the waitress to bring extra plates, and typically when they bring extra plates, they bring you smaller plates to accommodate, you know, sharing food. That's that, that is absolutely one of the best strategies, especially for a family, for many people eating out together. Now, if you're by yourself or if you're um, meeting someone for dinner and you're not really comfortable sharing food, you have two other options. My favorite option is to ask the waiter or waitress to box up half of the meal before they bring it to the table. What happens when they do that is the, the chef still wants a nice presentation on the table, right? So when they take half of your portion and box it up for you to be ready uh, for it to be ready to go for you, they're going to naturally put it on a more normal size plate and they're still going to have a nice presentation even though it's half of the portion sizes that comes out. So you're still going to have a nice presentation, but you're not going to be trying to avoid eating all that food. Where people are visual, and so what we see we eat. It's for most people, we don't even recognize when we're full because we're eating so fast. Now, the second option, if you're eating out either alone or with someone that you can't share food with, is to contaminate half, your, half of the uh, food on your plate. This is effective. However, it doesn't really look so nice. And <laughs> in a professional setting, it doesn't come across, you know, it can be a, seem a little weird, but it is still effective nonetheless. So if you have a big entree that comes to the table and for whatever reason you don't get it boxed up, manually um, split each of the portions on your plate, scoot it to the side, and contaminate it with sugar or salt and pepper or whatever else is on the table. And the contamination is so that you don't, you don't eat it. And that actually is a really important part because going back to the idea that we're visual eaters, um, mm -hmm. most all humans are, if that food is just scooted to the side and we're used to eating our whole plate of food, it's pretty easy to convince yourself and rationalize why you should keep eating even though you've scooted it to the other side of your plate. So if you contaminate it, it's not going to happen. I mean, you're going to have to want that food pretty bad to eat it with sugar or, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever on the pancakes. Are you talking right. about throwing ketchup on the pancakes? Huh? <laughs> there you go. Out of your mouth. <laughs> All right. Um, now, you know, your book guides readers to take 100% responsibility for your weight. Tell us 
tell us about that, what you mean by that. You know, what I find in working with people through the years, very few people want to take 100% responsibility for their life. Most people come in and tell me why it is someone else's fault that they're overweight. It's their family's fault. It's their, you know, relative's fault. It's their spouse's fault. It's, you know, the fast food um, that's at every corner's fault. That, you know, that it's that whole concept of blaming everybody else and not looking within. And so I think it's so important that everyone recognizes that we are the way we are because of the choices we make. And if we don't like where we're at at the moment, it's as easy as making new choices and then repeating new choices so that we will see change in our life. Very few things are going to change overnight, if anything. And weight certainly is not one of them. So we have to have a commitment that we're going to make changes and then be patient so that we can see the changes in our body as well. Okay. And coming from a place of empowerment, I love the idea of, you know, we, we're making choices because if we are the ones making choices and suddenly we can, like you said, change or, you know, um, mitigate, change, really change and amend different choices we're making in the future, in the present, um, for the future. Um, so I love, I love that, coming from a place of empowerment. Now, can you share with our listeners one or two of your favorite success stories from your years of counseling? Um, one, I've, I've, yes. So the one that always comes to my mind, um, I, I, it personally motivates me, and that's always such a good feeling to, to have a client really motivate me. Um, I was working with a woman who had a pretty sedentary um, lifestyle and career, and over the years had gained weight, several kids, family, and a routine that did not support weight loss. And so as she started my training and started implementing small changes over time, she noticed that she was obviously losing weight and seeing benefits, so she continued the training. The training in the book is, is set up to be scheduled over an eight-week period. And what I tell people is if you have really aggressive weight loss goals, just, just go back through the book again. Again, repetition is just is a good thing. You can just keep repeating the book, and it's just going to keep reinforcing what you learn and and probably expand on it. So what happened was as she started making these small changes, she started incorporating positive activities into her lifestyle. So she would take her kids to the park because at the park, that's where she could be more active. She could still watch her kids while they played or did homework after school, and she could get some activity around the park by walking. And walking turned to turned into jogging, which turned into her, you know, aspiration to complete a marathon coming up. And so she's now training to complete a marathon. And this started with, you know, a sedentary lifestyle and experience. So now not only has she changed, she's different. Her positive change affected her entire family in a very positive way because now her children are going to be used to having physical activity on a regular basis and connecting that physical activity with fun family time. So not only are they going to have these great memories of, you know, remember when we all went to the park with mom and what we did, but now they're going to be more apt to do that with their family as adults because that's how they were raised and that's what they know. 
maybe not even realizing it was done for health. You know, as a kid, you don't always really understand why things are happening. You just know they're happening. And it won't matter because they've got this great positive programming now built into their little minds because of her decision to make a change. That really is one of the the most profound um, changes that I see, and, and it makes me also want to share that if you can list other people as support, even if they don't recognize that they're there to support you, but if you can enlist other people in your life, we are more apt to continue positive activities in a group setting because the majority of us enjoy social experience. And that social experience is something that will continue and repeat easily. So if her social experience was with her children at the park and that was a positive experience and everybody felt good and happy and it was enjoyable, obviously that's something that she's going to be able to repeat. And if she doesn't feel like going, don't you think her kids are going to be there to prod her and push her? And she's going to have this motivation in-house without even realizing it. So if we can if we can inspire the people around us in some small way so that they're somehow part of our positive change, and again, that wasn't planned. She didn't tell her kids to do that. That's just the natural evolution of, of her plan. Um, we are, everyone will have more success if they utilize that strategy as well. I love that story. I mean, just the different themes in terms of the, um, you know, impact across generations, the deep, you know, impact it has, you know, you're affecting one life, but really by one life you're affecting, you know, multiple generations in that sense. And also what I really love about it is, you know, her finding something that she did on a regular basis, you know, it's already part of her life and just, um, you know, even making that a more value-added experience for herself and, and, you know, her loved ones as well. Um, without, you know, departing greatly from what she was already doing. And so just that thought of being able to fit it in your what you already have in your life can be, um, I mean, can be helpful as we're all living very, you know, busy and loaded lives to begin with. So I love that. Um, you know, I really appreciate your sharing your thoughts with us, Kelly. They've been really insightful and interesting. Is there any last thought or really take-home message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? You know, I think I just want to repeat myself again on, you know, that repetition. Repetition equals change. And so the minute that you recognize you're feeling impatient and it's not happening fast enough, remind yourself that that's normal. That's, you know, we're, we're an instant gratification culture at this point and that it's okay to be patient because the patient um, – Strategy with weight loss means it's going to be long term. It's a long, it's a life change, and so it's okay if it takes a few more weeks or a few more months because this is for life. Excellent. I'd like to thank Kelly Stones for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And once thank again, you. if you'd like to learn more about the insights Kelly's been sharing with us today, her book is entitled Life Is Mental: Think Thin to Live Thin. In case you joined us late and would like to share the show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. I can be reached at jazzbeena at intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate your hanging out with us. Do email me with topics you'd like discussed in future shows, and make sure to join us for next month's show. <laughs>